I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The End Time Battle Between Jacob and Esau. This is part one of the series. In this session, we are going to be doing a teaching on the end time battle between Jacob and Esau. In understanding this end time battle between Jacob and Esau, which the Bible calls, and it references this battle, it refers to it as Jacob's trouble. The reason for the tribulation is there is a conflict between Jacob and Esau that draws the entire world into this conflict. We want to understand the characteristics of this, but in order to do so, we have to understand a very important biblical principle, and it is this, from Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11, that the end of days has already been told by the God of Israel in the beginning, in his creation, and in the book of Genesis. We can see this principle as it is written in Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end, that is the end of days, from the beginning, that is from the creation or from the book of Genesis times. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel will stand, that is what I've declared in the end from the beginning. And I will do all my pleasure. He's purposed it. I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I've purposed it. I will also do it. It will happen in the end what I declared from the beginning. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse the thing that has been, that is history, is that which shall be, that's future, that's prophecy. That which is done, the things that are happening in the world right now, is that which shall be done, because there's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15, that which has been, that which has already happened in the Bible, in the conflicts, is what's happening now. And that which is to be, that which is coming, has already happened in the past. Because God requires that which is past. Therefore, we need to realize that if we're going to understand the end of days battle between Jacob and Esau, we can understand it in the beginning, how it is represented in the book of Genesis. And we have this principle that goes along with these things, and it is the things that happen to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are prophecies of what will happen to their descendants. In his commentary, on the Torah to the book of Genesis, Moses Nachmanides, or the Ramban, on pages 168 and 169, says, I will tell you a principle, and it's a matter 
of great importance which the rabbis teach, and it is, whatever has happened to the patriarchs, that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is a sign or a prophetic foreshadowing of what will happen to their children. When an event happens to any one of the three patriarchs, that which is decreed to happen to his children can also be understood. We also need to understand this principle, that we're told in Psalm chapter 78 that the Torah is a parable that teaches us about the end of days. In other words, when we read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when we read the book of Genesis, we're not just reading about history that just happened once, and we're learning about something that happened in the past. That which happened literally in the book of Genesis is a parable or has a deeper meaning whose purpose and intent is to give us understanding about the end of days. Psalm 78 verses 1 and 2. Give ear, O my people, to my Torah. I will open my mouth in a parable. That is the subject of what's being said. Give ear to my Torah. I will open my mouth in a parable. In other words, the Torah is a parable. The Torah is a parable. What is a parable? It is something that has a deeper spiritual meaning. The Torah is a parable and it's a parable that is directed toward the final generation that will see the messianic age being ushered in because it says in verse 4 we will not hide them from their children not hide what? That the Torah is a parable and the meaning of the parable. We will not hide them from their children showing the generation to come. This word in the King James to come is the Strong's number 314 it's the Hebrew word akaron which means last, latter, or end so it literally says in the Hebrew give ear to my Torah, I will open my mouth in a parable, showing the last generation. And then the art scroll, which is an orthodox Jewish published work of the book of Psalms, it translates this verse as the last generation. Showing the last generation. So that which this generation needs to understand if we're the last generation, I believe we are, we have gotten all of biblical history to educate us about the days in which we are living. That being the case, let's look in the book of Genesis regarding Jacob and Esau and the issues regarding them. In Genesis in chapter 25 and verse 23, it says, And the Lord, or Hashem, said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two regimes from your inside shall be separated, and the might shall pass from one regime to the other. In the art scroll of the book of Genesis, volume 2, on page 1056 the commentary to this verse is that the rendering of La Amim as regimes follows Rashi's who follows Rashi's explanation who explains that the word La La Om that the word La Om always denotes a kingdom or a people living together under one form of government and that they will be ideologically at odds forever. The Midrash Haggadol identifies these two regimes as Esau or Edom and the kingdom of David. The commentary to the might shall pass from one regime to another from the Talmud Megillah 6a is that the two of them, that is Jacob and Esau will never be mighty at the same time. When one falls the other will rise and so it's Esau that's been ruling and reigning for the past 2,000 years in the context of the worldwide exile of the house of Jacob through 
Western influences in control, personified by the fourth beast, Rome, destroying the temple and taking Jews into worldwide captivity. When their rule and reign ends in the earth, it will coincide with the rise of Jacob. What is the rise of Jacob? It is what we call the Messianic era and Israel being the head of all nations. What is the transition between the fall of Esau and the rise of Jacob? What's that transition? We call it the tribulation. Continuing on, it says war between them is inevitable. This condition began when each conquered its own land and will continue until the coming of the Messiah is the commentary by Rabbi Melbourne. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, in uh, Volume 2, page 1024, it explains that Jacob and Esau cannot rise independently of one another. The history of the world would be played out in the rivalry between the philosophies of good and evil as represented by them. Continuing on, and I'm reading from the, the translation of the scriptures from the Art Scroll on page 1057, in Genesis chapter 25 it says the elder shall serve the younger. The commentary to this from the art scroll of Genesis on page 1057 is according to the Midrash or Hafila, uh, this prophecy will be fulfilled in the days of the Messiah. This is the view followed by Rabbi Malbum who cites Obadiah chapter 1 verse 21 which describes messianic times when deliverers shall go up to Mount Zion to rule the hill country of Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Continuing on in Genesis 25 it says, Then behold there were twins in her womb. In the Torah the Hebrew word for twins is spelled defectively. The defective spelling implies that their similarity was incomplete, meaning one was righteous and the other was wicked is the commentary of Rashi citing the Midrash. Jacob is described as Tamim, perfect, whole, or complete. While Esau, the defectiveness is there's a defectiveness in his character. And he had a hostile intent toward the God of Israel in his Torah. Rabbi Malbum interprets this entire incident as alluding to Messianic times because Messianic times are symbolized by the term birth or birth pains. So behold, there were twins in her womb. And it goes on to say, in Genesis 25, and the first one of them, that would be Esau, he emerged being red. The commentary to why he emerged being red, which is the meaning of his name, Esau means red, is on the art scroll of Genesis on page 1059, Rashi, in pursuing the Midrashic interpretation, comments that Esau's redness or readiness was a portent that his nature is that he would shed blood. Continuing on it says, after that his brother, that is Jacob emerged, with his hand grasping the heel of Esau and because his hand grasped the heel of Esau, he was named Jacob. And the commentary to this from the art school of Genesis on page 1061 is that the Hebrew word Jacob is a play on the Hebrew word for heel, which is Akev is the commentary of Rashi. 
According to Rabbi Sephorno, the name means at the end, which is Akev. The Hebrew word for end is Akev, which is contained in Jacob or Yaakov. What's connected with Yaakov is Akev, end. So it's an illusion that at the time of the end, he would be victorious. And that was symbolized by Jacob grasping of his brother's heel, alluding to the end of days. He would only get the victory over Esau at the very end of days, meaning in Messianic times. And the Art Scroll of Genesis, on page 1406, I want to remind you once again of this principle, that everything that happened to Jacob with his brother Esau is a prophetic foreshadowing of what will happen in the history of the nation of Israel and Esau's descendants. Let's continuing on and look at the application of this thought. In Genesis, in chapter 32, in verse 4, it says, Then Jacob sent angels, or messengers, ahead of him to Esau, his brother, to the land of Seir, the field of Edom. The commentary from the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1408, is that the general intent of Jacob was to appease Esau. Continues on in Genesis chapter 32, verse 6, where he says, I am sending these messengers to tell Esau that I might gain favor in his eyes. The commentary to he did it to gain favor in Esau's eyes from the art scroll of Genesis, page 1411. The commentary from Rashi is that he sent the messengers with the desire and the intent to make peace and friendship with Esau. However, Esau wasn't in the mood to greet Jacob with a heart of peace and friendship. He came preparing for war. As we can see from Genesis in chapter 32 where it says Esau came with 400 men to greet the messengers of Jacob. And as a result of this is how Esau greeted Jacob. It says Jacob became very frightened and distressed. And the commentary to the art scroll in Genesis page 1413 to this scripture it says Esau's intentions in coming to Jacob were to wage war. Rabbi Radok observes that since Esau was coming with a force of 400 men, his intentions were certainly not peaceful. Then in Genesis chapter 33 and verse 4 it says, Esau ran toward him and kissed him. That's what it literally says in the Hebrew. But in the Hebrew text, for he kissed him, there are dots above he kissed him in Hebrew. Dots are not a part of Hebrew grammar. It's not a Hebrew letter. And the dots isn't a representative of what the vowels are if it is placed above the word. So this was put there by the Mazarites. And it says, in the commentary of why are the dots there. The reason why the dots are there, so you'll see the dots and say that's irregular, why are the dots there? And the explanation is in Torah scrolls the word in Hebrew for he kissed him is dotted over each letter. Midrashically, this is meant to communicate that the word calls for a special exposition of the text. 
because this is not a normal representation. In the Art School of Genesis on page 1450, regarding the dots, the commentary is, Rabbi Yanai to Rabbi Shimon, if Esau's kiss was sincere, why is the word dotted at all? Left undotted, the word would be taken at face value as being sincere. Since it is dotted, there must be special significance to the word. Rather, the dots signify that Esau's intention was not to kiss Jacob, but to bite him. He did not have sincerity of heart in making the embrace. And what's the application to today? The peace process, they're saying, let's make peace, trust us as being good guys, but the peace agreement, the handshake, the embrace, is not one of sincerity. They're saying, make peace with us, but their intent is destruction and war. Therefore, this peace agreement is a parallel to Esau's intentions when he met Jacob, and it could be regarded in the modern application with the peace process as the kiss of death. Where it says in Genesis chapter 32 that Jacob was very frightened and distressed, that is is what the prophet Jeremiah is referring to in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 when he talked about in the end of days, that is the day of the Lord. He says regarding the day of the Lord, which is messianic times, that that day is great, it's done like it. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. The term Jacob's trouble comes from in the Torah where Jacob was seeking to make peace with Esau. Esau came with 400 men and with evil intent. It resulted in him being frightened and distressed and so it brought about Jacob's trouble. Therefore, Jacob's trouble is a term for a conflict between Jacob and Esau in the end of days. As a result of Jacob being distressed, in Genesis chapter 32 verse 25, it says Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the break of dawn. The commentary of the art school of Genesis to until the break of dawn on page 1438 it says in the figurative sense it was this until the break of dawn is reflecting Israel's destiny in exile the dawn represents Israel's salvation or the end of the exile of the house of Jacob when the long night of exile will finally end so the outcome of the war between Jacob and Esau is the end of the exile of the house of Jacob the coming of King Messiah and him setting up his kingdom. It is during Jacob's trouble that Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 3 tells us that Israel and Judah will return to the land. For lo, the days come, says the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord. I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers and they shall possess it. So in speaking about Israel and Judah returning to the land and possessing it, that's the reunification of both houses of Israel. That's the end of the exile of the house of Jacob. In speaking about this subject, it says four verses later in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7, that day, the day of Israel and Judah returning the land is great, there's none like it, that day when they return to the land is the time of Jacob's trouble. In Genesis chapter 27, Isaac wanted to impose a blessing and you're familiar with what happened there. Isaac thought that he was initially given the blessing to Esau, but Jacob disguised himself, and it was Jacob then that got the blessing. In commenting about Jacob approaching Isaac, when Isaac was pronouncing and giving the blessing, Isaac says the following, the voice is Jacob's voice, 
but the hands are Esau's hands. Now the rabbis make a commentary and the distinction between the voice and the hand. In the art scroll of Genesis on page 1022, it explains the concept of material ascendancy is described by the word in Hebrew, hands. The material world is the labor of hands. Spiritually, in Hebrew, the word voice is kol. The voice is the articulating of desiring to follow the God of Israel, his ways, in the Torah. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are Esau's hands. Genesis 27, verse 23. If he were not to be of sufficient spiritual worth, that is Jacob. If Jacob wouldn't be the spiritual person which he's called to do, he would lose his superiority to Esau. Another Esau would rule over him. Rather, Jacob would dominate his brother, or get the victory over him, and gain dominion over the material world only through spiritual means, which means drawing close to the God of Israel, being faithful to the God of Israel. The only way that Jacob can defeat Esau, even in the end of days, is to draw close to the God of Israel, the covenant that was made with Abraham, and to follow the God of Israel with all your heart. That is the Bible's only declared means by which Jacob can win the battle. So as long as Jacob is not seeking the face of the God of Israel and not following after his ways, Esau will triumph. And so what is the world seeking to do? Through its material prosperity, it's seeking to oppose through the advantage it has in the physical world, its ways upon a physical world. Therefore, if you try to fight with Esau material against material, you'll lose. The only way you could win is fight spiritually and the way you fight spiritually is be obedient to the God of Israel and to stand with his covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Continuing on commenting about Jacob's voice which is being obedient to the God of Israel or following Torah and Esau's hands represents worldly strength and the art scroll of Genesis on page 1023 goes on to explain when one has in his throat the exaltation of God, it's not just your throat, it's your heart. When his throat throw to your heart vibrates with the voice of Torah, then his hands are armed with a double-edged sword that can overcome the powerful hands that hold the world in their sway. When the voice is Jacob's voice, the hands of Esau become impotent. There is no other way for Jacob to control the course of material events. The normal way is Esau's, but Jacob can overcome him by going to the source. So, how is Israel going to gain victory in this conflict. The only way it's possible is drawing to the God of Israel, the covenant that was made with Abraham and seeking to follow Torah. Outside of that, nothing is decreed but destruction. That is the solution to the problem and the God of Israel is waiting for the problem to get severe enough that his people will cry out to him. Because it says in Hosea chapter 5 verse 15, in their affliction they will seek my face. In the art scroll of Genesis page 1028 continuing on comparing the the difference between Jacob's voice and Esau's hands, Esau seeks to subdue the world for the gratification of his loss, to acquire and to dominate for selfish ends. And so if you're upset with the United States government, if you're upset with the United Nations, it's because they are seeking to subdue through the gratifications of their lusts to dominate for their own selfish ends. That's the battle you face. That's the battle 
Battle of Esau. The only way that you can defeat is by drawing close to the God of Israel. In Genesis chapter 25, it goes on to say in the biblical text, and the lads grew up. In the commentary to the Art Scroll of Genesis, page 1062, it says when they reached 13 years of age, their varying character dispositions became manifest. Jacob frequented the houses of study or sought to follow Torah, but Esau idolatrous temples. And it says about Jacob that he was a wholesome man abiding in tents. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, the end time battle between Jacob and Esau. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.